Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour, the full house here at the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. Bob, Kelly, and Luke, along with Esquire, all here together in Hattiesburg. First time this has happened in some time. Softball coach Brian Levan will be joining us in the next segment here in just a couple of moments. Bo Morgan, a little later in the program, a history professor at USM with some history that uh, Kelly Sander has arranged, uh, so get ready to sit down and be quiet and sit in your classroom for 15 minutes. Yeah, luckily there won't be a test or an exam, but uh, but um, we'll learn a little bit about the history of some of the names on the buildings, including our football stadium at Southern Miss, and who are these people? I want to welcome two new clients uh, to the Eagle Hour, Delta World Tire. We're happy to welcome them as a new annual sponsor in our Hattiesburg uh, location. They, of course, uh, have tires, auto repair, wheels, maintenance, uh, anything for your vehicle. You'll find it at Delta World Tire. Very grateful for them joining the Eagle Hour. And in our Laurel uh, studio, we want to welcome Jones County Family Medicine Clinic with uh, medical clinics in Laurel, Taylorsville, Ellisville, Bay Springs, Heidelberg. No appointment ever needed. Preventive care to any kind of medical care that you and your family need. Uh, you'll find it the uh, first rate that uh, with no appointments required at Jones County Family Medicine Clinic. So we want to thank those two new sponsors for joining us on the Eagle Hour. Also, of course, opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. They cook uh, meat in-house every day. It's always delicious, seven days a week, and they'll cater any event for you, large or small. Still time, I bet, to cater the Super Bowl if you're having a party this Sunday afternoon. And uh, we want to thank our good friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit for joining us in the uh, opening segment of every show. All right, we're going to kick off the show today. We're going to talk a little softball. It all begins on uh, February the 7th uh, with a tournament that uh, will include Mississippi Valley State, uh, St. Louis, and Southern University, I believe. A great uh, way to kick off the softball season and a new regime, uh, a new regime of coaching, of course, uh, with Southern Miss softball. The head man is with us today, Coach Brian Levan. And, Coach, we appreciate you coming on the Eagle Hour. Well, thanks for having me. Well, you're just a few weeks away now, not far at all, from uh, the start of a of a new era of Southern Miss softball. And I know that the coaching the sport of softball is not new to you, but when you take over a new program like this, is it safe to say there might be a little bit of butterfly and uh, a little bit of, uh, I don't know, anxiousness as you get ready to, to start your new tenure here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, anytime that you take over something, it's uh, there's always that uh, fear of the unknown, so to speak. So, um, yeah, we're, we're excited and anxious to get going. And, you know, Conference USA is an incredible conference, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, we have that. That's for sure. I got butterflies. <laughs> All right, you're picked uh, in the preseason poll. Your team was picked seventh, about middle ways in the pack. North Texas picked as the number one team in the league. Western Kentucky, number two, uh, a tie between Louisiana Tech and Marshall. Are those the teams that you have to shoot for in order to win the conference? 
Yeah, I think so. I think in you know Rodney over there in North Texas did an incredible job the past couple of years, and uh, I kind of know him from uh, the Ohio Valley Conference when he was at Austin P. But uh, he always has a great program. La Tech has a, a tremendous program, although they lost uh, Mark Montgomery. Uh, uh, but uh, as their head coach, he moved on elsewhere. But yeah, those teams are you know you know the Western Kentuckys, and th- those teams are the ones you shoot for. That's for sure. All right, Luke, uh, welcome Coach LeVan to the Eagle Hour. Coach, good to talk to you again. Uh, you're looking at your 2020 uh, squad, and I think really the first thing that jumps out to me, I, if I counted right, 11 or 12 of your ladies are from the state of Mississippi, and it's always fun for Southern Miss fans to come out and, and watch uh, you know, homegrown talent. This is a, a roster that's full of Mississippi kids. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of talent in this area, so it's uh, it's nice to see that, and as we as – we, um, as we go out and recruit, we're definitely looking for local folks and, and local kids, and you know, we are trying to build relationships with the high school coaches in the area. We just had a, uh, a practice in which we invited you know some high school coaches out and had ten or twelve out there, so it was a pretty neat event. Two of your uh, your players, uh, one from Mississippi, the other one uh, I believe from Alabama. Yeah, Mobile, Alabama. Lacey Summerlin, your senior shortstop, and Destiny Brown, both named. Uh, preseason all-conference, and uh, we got to interview uh, Lacey along with you and the other coaches at, at Sully's uh, earlier this year. Are you looking to those two uh, for, for leadership? I mean, you've only, I think, only got like three seniors, so there are definitely room for juniors to step up and be leaders also on this team. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm, uh, Lacey's just a, a consummate leader. I mean, she's, she does an incredible job for us, and uh you know, Dusty's more of a quiet type leader. She she kind of leads by example, and uh, but you won't find two harder working kids, and, and they do a great job for us. Coach Levan, I want to ask you before, we, and we want to make sure we we promote your trivia night coming up because I know that's a lot of fun for a lot of people and a chance to raise some money for the softball team. But when you look at, at athletes, the Mississippi High School Activities Association now is pretty much getting away from slow pitch softball and volleyball now is, is taking over. But when you recruited players, was it generally assumed that the, that the young ladies that played slow pitch also played fast pitch? Yeah, that's pretty much what, what, what you see anyway. I think that uh, when they're playing slow pitch, the they they tend to play the fast pitch game as well. So um, slow pitch kind of going by the wayside in the high school ranks. That's for sure. It's uh, it's more fast pitch now, and you know I guess they're they're uh, leaving the slow pitch to the older folk like me now. Did you did you have any strong feelings about it one way or the other? Getting rid of uh, slow pitch? No, not really, not really. I think I think uh, it actually in some ways can help produce uh, better defensive players. Uh, the ball's always hit hard, and it's you know it's. Uh, it's something that I think, uh, from a defensive standpoint, was beneficial. So you got a big trivia night coming up. Tell us about it. And uh, we're, we're trying to assemble a, uh, a Super Talk Mississippi team that's going to come out and try to compete <laughs> in, the, uh, in the trivia contest. So oh, tell us be, what's going on. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's basically just – it's a week out before playing, so we're kind of just – it's the kickoff for us, you know, to get, get a little momentum going into the, the, the season. It's, it's, it's just a night of fun. More so uh, than a than a fundraiser, it's more like a meet and greet. You get to be around the players and you know other Southern Miss uh, you know fans and and the staff. So it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's so where is that going to be in time and date and all that sort of thing? Yeah, it's it's going to be at the Holiday Inn off of Forty Nine here. Um, uh, Six p.m. It'll start next Saturday, February first. So, Coach, let me ask you this question before we run out of time. Uh, 
You come into a situation, there are two ways, I guess, you can take over programs in, in sports. You can take over a program that is just, you know, down, just not doing very well, and you just have to build it up from the start. You can take over programs that were left in good shape by the coach previous to you, and I think it's fair to say that's the case uh, for you, that you came in, uh, took over a program that Wendy Hogue, we think, did a very good job uh, maintaining uh, how is it different? What, what, how do you have to take a different approach in a situation like the one that you have inherited? Yeah, I've, I've done both. So um, I would say that this is much much more pleasant um, in terms of uh-huh. uh, the you know taking over a program that's been kind of down. It's, it's a complete complete cultural change and trying to develop that. But when you take one over that's had some success and um, you know, had the had the character development that that Wendy had already produced. It, it, it's much much easier, and you know, I'm just I'm grateful for that. Well, we wish you the best of luck, and uh, we thank you very much for coming on the Eagle Hour. Look forward to talking to you throughout the course of the season. Thanks for having me. All right, Coach Brian Levan, everybody, the new softball coach for the University of Southern Mississippi, and uh, and guys, he does take over a program that. He takes over a program in pretty good shape. 31 season last year, um, which was really good. You look at some of the players that are coming back. Back, Lacey Summerlin, you know, she started her career at Georgia. And so this is an SEC player for us. Bailey Springfield's a senior. Destiny Brown, really, really, really good. It, it's a big thing that Southern Miss has two players on, on the all-preseason. And when you look at the schedule, too, you remember last year we were joking with Coach Hogue like it was almost like what Jay Ladner got this year. And, right. you know, it was she right. was just playing – I think she played it was like two world series teams and a bunch of them in the top uh 25 this is a a real momentum building before you you hit um you're you're basically play, playing you're not playing like big heavyweights you start conference uh on march 13th you play mississippi state that's what's cool about this schedule mississippi state and Ole miss both on this schedule so i think it's a schedule where the ladies can get a lot of confidence going into conference play I think that's part of what happened to them last year. I mean, they they just played a brutal, brutal. Played schedule. LSU and Baylor in the first week of the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it was tough. Uh, but still, went got thirty wins, and uh, uh, we wish uh, Coach Levan a lot of success uh, as he comes on board. And that that meet and greet is this coming uh, Saturday at uh, six p.m. at the Holiday Inn off of Highway Forty Nine in Hattiesburg. A chance to meet uh, the Lady Eagle softball team as they get ready to uh, head into the. To, it, it's it's getting here, guys. What is it? Next Friday, 18, the 7th. For the, for the women. But the guys, what are we down to, 18 days now? 16 days. 16 days, wow. He's got his paper chain working, Bob. It's getting smaller by the day. Spring cannot be far behind. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Stay with us. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. You can find them online, Campus Bookmark, the big yellow building right across from the main entrance to Southern Miss for all of your Southern Miss swag. Also, uh, school supplies for students that uh, actually go to class. I didn't know many of you when I went to Iowa State, but there are <laughs> students that go to class and Campus Bookmark can take care of all those needs. We begin a segment today uh, called the Eagle Hour History Class. And in the, this segment, every you, once in a you while... You just lost your audience. We'll come up with a better it. name for yeah, that, Kelly. Hey. Yeah, no, there's no tests or no no quizzes here. But we brought Bo Morgan in for, for 17 years on and off. Worked in the history department at the University of Southern Mississippi. You recognize his voice. He's the sideline reporter for the Golden Eagle Football Network during the fall. And he is the author of a book called Treasured Past, Golden Future. Treasured Past, Golden Future. It's available on Barnes & Noble and on Amazon. It uh, documents the history of the university from 1910 to 2010. And every once in a while, we're going to bring Bo on to talk about some of these people whose names are on buildings at campus, but probably students today and even some of us older folks don't really know who these people are. So who, who better else to educate us than Bo Morgan? And Bo, as, as we welcome you, Luke and I have got lots of questions for you, but today's topic is M.M. Roberts, who the stadium is named after. And, and I dare say when you ask a lot of people who is M.M. Roberts, a lot of people have no idea who M.M. Roberts was. And to begin the discussion, he was he was a, yeah. a, a bit of a controversial figure at the time. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, like most people who achieve uh, prominence, uh, he was a, an extremely complex and as a result, sometimes controversial individual. Now, I'll get back to that in a minute. But but let me just talk about M.M. Roberts the short story of why the stadium bears his name uh, is that as, as president of the college board in the 1970s, he helped secure the funds, almost $6 million eventually. Of course, it went up uh, over time, the, the estimates of the cost. But he helped secure the funds to renovate and, and really double the seating capacity of the old stadium in, in the mid-1970s. Um, I don't know what the capacity was before that. I've seen different figures uh, the, the biggest attendance in Hattiesburg that I've been able to find so far is 17,000 be, before the renovation. Uh, and that was, by, by the way, that was a 1968 game against East Carolina. And I happened to have been a sophomore that year, and I was at that game. Yeah, you were born and raised in Hattiesburg. I, I, I'm Hattiesburg now. I, yeah. I told you, as I tell people, I was born at the police station, that is, <laughs> the, the old Methodist hospital. Um but I don't know what the official capacity was. But when Roman Gabriel played quarterback at North Carolina State, you know, later went on to a great pro career with the with the Rams. Rams mm-hmm. uh, he and North Carolina State came to Hattiesburg, and the attend official attendance was a little over sixteen thousand. But whatever it was, the renovation that that ended in seventy six more than doubled that capacity to around thirty five thousand. Um, and the opening game was, uh, and, and probably M.M. Roberts, ha- as president of the college board, had a lot to do with this. Ole Miss came to play the first game uh, in the renovated stadium. It's the only time they've ever come to Hattiesburg. Uh, that happened to be uh, Bobby Collins' second year, and it was that miserable eight-game, nine-game losing streak uh, uh, was during that year. But that, that first home game was against Ole Miss, and 
uh, and the Rebels won it 28 to nothing. And, and really, Bo, in, in your book, Treasured Past, Golden Future, you've got a lot of great photos in there, including the schoolhouse that M.M. M. Roberts went to when he was a child. And that's actually on campus now. Yeah. The, the longer story of why the stadium's named for Roberts goes back really to, to his birth. He was born in 1895. In, in northern Jackson County. Of course, Moss Point and Pascagoula are on the coast in, in Jackson County. But he was born at a place called Arena. I assume that's the way you pronounce it. I've never heard it pronounced. But in, in northern Jackson County near uh, the Alabama line, and he attended this one-room school. All 12 grades met in one room, wow. in a one-room school uh, that was constructed in 1899. So he was about four years old when it was built. Cost $79 to build this thing. Uh, <laughs> now, it closed in 1921, and it's interesting because that year he earned a bachelor's degree from what was then Mississippi A&M, now Mississippi State, in agriculture uh, and science 19, in 1921, the same year the school closed. Now, fast forward to 1981. Uh, again, he helped secure funds, $10,000 in this case, a lot of it out of his own pocket, to move that old schoolhouse board by board from northern Jackson County to the, the courtyard in, in Owings-McQuag Hall, which we used to call the Ed Psych Building because it housed the College of Education and Psychology. And it's still there. If you're on campus sometime, go by mm-hmm. the Owings-McQuag Owings Hall and find the courtyard. And there's a little historical plaque that tells the story of that schoolhouse. But... He was responsible for getting it moved on campus and where it remains today. And that a photo of that is, is in the book, Treasured Past, Golden Future, which is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Yeah, and, and uh, to finish out his biography, he started college in 1916 at what was then Mississippi Normal College, now Southern Miss. And interestingly enough, he was an end on the football. He lettered in football in, in 1916. Then World War I came along and he joined the Navy. And he was a wireless operator throughout World War One. And when he came back to school, he went to Mississippi A&M and earned that degree in 1921. Um, and, and after that, he, he taught school and was a school administrator. He was at one time superintendent of uh, Greene County Agricultural High School in Leakesville, uh, by the way, which is where Reed Green came from, from Leakesville. Uh, but he eventually went to Ole Miss and got a law degree uh, in 1926, uh, and he, he practiced briefly in Pascagoula, but then later in 1926 moved to Hattiesburg, uh, where he practiced law for the rest of his life. Although he did go back and get a master's, get this, a master's degree in education from Peabody College in Nashville in 1931. Uh, and he was president of the Mississippi Bar Association in the late 50s. Uh, and he was appointed to a 12-year term on the college board in 1960. Get this, while he was serving on the college board, he earned a Ph.D. in educational administration from Southern Miss in 1964. So he has degrees from all the big three, Ole Miss, <laughs> Mississippi State, and, and, and Southern So was it the college board that actually proposed the naming of the stadium for M.M. Roberts? Well, they had to approve it. They have to approve all the things like that. I don't know, I don't know the origin. If you put a gun to my head, I would guess that, that um, President William D. McCain probably recommended that it be named after Roberts because they were close uh, and and the college board approved that, um, but but there was there was some of a you know a, a lot of people like anybody in leadership there there's a segment of the population that uh, that he rubbed the wrong way you know but but that's that's a leadership yeah. position anytime right yeah I said he was complex and controversial I give you an example on one hand 
He was a lifelong white supremacist and an open defender of segregation. But then on the other hand, uh, he was a generous man who, in addition to his financial support to Southern Miss, uh, donated money to provide scholarships and, and hired students part-time in his law office so that over the years, more than 500 students were able to go to college thanks to his generosity. So he, he, he's, again, a complex and yeah. controversial figure. So but, where is he? Is he obviously no longer with us. Where is he? Um, well, I, I, I think he died in 1986. It's somewhere in the 80s, uh, not long after he... Uh, had that schoolhouse moved? So when he, he actually his body actually lay in state in the administration building. So when uh, so he was around when the stadium when was the stadium actually named M M Roberts Stadium? Well, the stadium opened in the renovated stadium right. opened in 1976. He was there. There's a picture in the book of of Dr. McCain and him and it, and and uh, Cliff Finch, who was governor at the time, at the dedication of the stadium at that Ole Miss game in 76. So, yeah, he was still around for that. So he had a lot, a lot of experience at, uh, at Southern Miss. M.M. Roberts, a lot of and people, he, again, probably don't know who he, he was. He had a lot to do with, with us becoming the University of Southern Mississippi That's right. also. He, he, well, he was not president of the board then, but he was on the board and, and, and carried a lot of water for uh, Southern Miss. And in 1962, he had been on the board two years, uh, the name it was granted university status in 1962. And Dr. McCain, who was, was Dr. McCain, still the longest serving president at Southern Miss? Uh, Maybe he he I, he and Dr. Lucas both Pretty served about well from from 1955 to 1997. That's a, what's that? Uh, that's more than 40 years. 42 years. The institution had two presidents. Wow. Talk about consistency, right? The name of the book is Treasured Past, Golden Future. Bo Morgan is uh, with us. We're talking about M.M. Roberts, after which the stadium was named. In future segments on the show, Bo's going to talk about who was Reed Green, who was Dr. McCain, who was Pi Van. I, uh, I want to know who Joseph Green is because I was a business guy. So we, we'll put that one down and for, <laughs> for a later date because I was always you, – you know, you always talk about Owens McClaig or Green or Southern you, – you don't even say Hall after – where you at? I'm headed to Green. I'm headed here, you know. And there's a lot of, a lot of people out there that graduated from university, they can name their major by that specific yeah, when, building. When Joe Green was about six feet seven inches tall. He played basketball at Berea College in Kentucky. Uh, and he, he, as a matter of fact, he had a daughter who graduated high school with me. And talk about some great trivia very quickly as we go into our bumper music. Our first athletic director at Southern Miss has a hall named for him on the campus at East Carolina. That's right. R.J. Slay, Ronald James Slay. And I owe, owe, we all owe John Cox a debt of gratitude for doing the research to find all this out about R.J. Slay. And if, if we have time sometime, we'll talk about him. Well, you definitely need to get a copy of Treasured Past, Golden Future. Its author, Bo Morgan, is with us here, and that's available on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble. A great gift for Southern Miss fans. Great text. Lots of pictures are what I like. And Bo Morgan will be joining us every once in a while to bring us uh, some of the history of some of the famous people that made Southern Miss what it is. Bob Getty will rejoin us in a moment. The Eagle Hour continues after these commercial messages. The 
Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I want to thank uh, Bo Morgan for joining us uh, in that segment of the show. He had a good conversation with the guys. Also, Brian Levan, the softball coach, appreciate uh, his participation in the Eagle Hour as well. This segment is sponsored by one of our favorite places, 4th Street Bar and Grill. It is a great place. We've said it a thousand times, but we'll keep saying it. It is a great place to have lunch. It is a great place to have some of the best sandwiches that you will ever eat. And uh, if you like Southern Miss trivia, well, there's just no better place to be than that. It's just a great atmosphere, a lot of fun at 4th Street Bar and Grill. We'll be down there the week of the uh, opening of baseball season, and we look forward to that. So our thanks to 4th Street Bar and Grill. Well, I mean, before we get into other things, congrats, man, Delta World Tire. Joining yes. us, man, the right. show is hot, isn't it? Well, we're very happy to have Delta World Tire and uh, Jones Family uh, Medicine Clinic. Yeah, and, uh, man, we got sponsors jumping we, on board right and left. We appreciate them very much. And that's what it takes to pay these huge salaries that Luke and Kelly demand. And uh, we're, we're striving hard to keep up with it. To the top. <laughs> to the top. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, we're getting away from, from USM Sports a little bit, and I just wanted to get y'all's opinion on this. Everybody knows about the helicopter crash that that killed Kobe Bryant and uh, you know several other people. And, including his daughter. Including his daughter and including a baseball coach and his family and two other children that played on that softball or that basketball team. Uh, another gentleman, and and of course the pilot. And I wish that I had all their names. And that's part of part of this discussion. Uh, and I say this with total and due respect to the loss. Don't in any way misinterpret this. But this morning, in a conversation with my son, he makes the comment to me: they're treating Kobe Bryant as if Neil Armstrong had been killed. And then I'm driving to work, and I see that one of the billboard companies here in Hattiesburg now is flashing a billboard that has legend and Kobe Bryant. And I guess that just brings me to this question, and I'm going to start this with you, Kelly, and then we'll go to Luke. Why so much publicity, and is it an indication that perhaps as a culture we place athletes on far too high of a pedestal? Yes, Capital Y, capital E, capital S. We wonder why these uh, the people in sports are paid these exorbitant amount of money. A lot of it is they give up their privacy. They become public domain. Everybody owns them. They can't have any privacy. You know, the upside of celebrity is that everybody knows what's going on with you. The downside of celebrity is everybody knows what's going on with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're, you're giving up your lack of privacy. But And we, we've talked about this in, in society where police officers and school teachers and, and even pastors and so on, social workers are, seem to be toward the bottom of the pay scale when it should be the other way around. But I, but I don't know what the answer is. It has always been that way. Movie stars, television stars, you know, and they all feel so important that they try to shove their political beliefs, you know, down, mm-hmm. down your throats. But athletes, you know, and I'm sure if you asked a lot of athletes, they'd say they wish they weren't in that position but they are and part of what they're paid for is the fact that they have no privacy whatsoever it's a societal thing it's not an athletics thing look johnson sunday afternoon uh literally you couldn't even watch the weather channel that it wasn't wall-to-wall coverage of this helicopter crash why do we place so much adulation on athletes because of because to be american means that you in some way or form are connected to sports I mean, you, and it's not just like 
it, it's it's not just the fact of one particular sport. In this case, Kobe was an NBA guy, but you remember in 2001, last lap of the Daytona 500, Dale Earnhardt dies. That's NASCAR. I mean, and that's one of the things you you would say a NASCAR. I mean, that's huge, and it's the same way for for us. We were talking during the uh, the, the commercial break. Uh, Mississippians, in in generally speaking obviously aren't as big NBA fans as somewhere, you know, like Philly or New York or LA in this case. And it's just because maybe our reaction to it in some ways is that we aren't as connected to the sport as, as other people. But to be American is to be multifaceted to multifaceted sports. Like you can think like uh, I'm, I'm going to watch South Jones play soccer tonight. A, a couple of guys on the high school team couldn't go with me because baseball just started. So they just move from sport to sport. So if you're a parent, you got kids that play sports, what do you do? You move from sports to sport. So sports in America and sports, uh, even as a spectator or a fan, are so intricate in our life. You know, we don't, we're don't. we a republic, but we do have a king, if we're honest, and it's probably sports. Okay. And so as a little kid, who's on your wall, you know? But but part of it... Who's hanging up on as posters? Part of this, too, is simply that it happened at... He was 41 years old. If right. this would have happened when Kobe was 82, it would have been a, yeah. a scroll right. at the bottom this, of the ESPN. Think, think about but, it. I wasn't alive, but and I don't think you guys are either, but like, like Ernie Davis, you know, he wins the Heisman, and he passes away. Roberto Clemente, still playing, passed Payne Stewart, Sean Taylor for the Redskins, you know? I mean, this is one of those moments, but I would say this is... I'm not sure if it's ever happened on this level before. You have a top five player to ever play their sport who's the face of a sport for 20 years. So in some ways, I, I understand um, the the bigger picture here, but I think for Kobe it may be a little unique simply because he was the face of a professional sports league for 20 years. Uh, you're a minister, so you might have some insight into this. What do you say to the families of the other victims of this helicopter crash? There were There were – there was a baseball coach, his wife and daughter. There were two other children that apparently played on this basketball team. There was another individual. What do you say to the families of those people who are heartbroken and then every time they turn on the TV, it's Kobe Bryant and seven other people were killed in a helicopter crash? Yeah, I, I just don't, I think those people are probably, uh, in, a, in a good way, disconnected from all that right now. They're being mm-hmm. surrounded by family and they're being surrounded by people. You know, years later, they'll see it as people had to cover the story like that. But I would assume, thankfully, that they wouldn't be, you know, connected in that way. I would just simply say, when stuff like this happens, my prayer is always, Lord, be with those, be with the surrounding people that know those people best, that are closest to those people, and let those people be ministered to in such a way. I don't think, I don't think, though, when when you are in a in a tragedy like this connected to someone of you know national prominence in that way i don't, I don't think i think those closest to the situation don't emphasize kobe over the others that are lost so much but part of this puzzle too though bob goes back to the 24-hour news cycle right. all right i mean when we were kids when you and i were kids walter cronkite the world could have ended or nothing could have happened but walter cronkite was going to fill a half an hour right from 5 30 to 6 that's that's what happened. So this would have been a little two-minute story, okay? But because of the 24-hour news cycle, they have to talk about something. You got Twitter. You got Instagram. You got Facebook. Yeah. It's all over everywhere, and the only way to get away from it is to shut it down. Yeah. Shut all these devices down and get that, off. That is exactly right. 
the only thing I would add to that is, again, this is a very, very unique situation because you have a guy that's been out of – he's been out, what, two years? And he was the face of – so, and some people, you know, some people totally disconnected from sports may – there's somebody out there that says, I thought he was still playing. You know, just because it may be the fact that they haven't watched the NBA in a few years. You, it, would, it would be the equivalent of, like, one guy that's not being talked about right now is like Eli Manning. He's been in the NFL for, for 18 years, right? It would be like Peyton Manning passing away. I mean, that's how huge it is. But this, this can be compared, though, to when Michael Jackson died. You remember the, all you heard for a week of, you know, it was wall-to-wall coverage of Michael Jackson because Michael Jackson was statistically a young man. Yeah. Still, still working. Kobe Bryant still very influential in his sports. Just, a lot of it is because they die at such a young age. And it's because he's so fresh on people's minds because most people in the country who are, are rabid NBA fans, I mean, and if you're a kid, if you're a college student right now, if you're 20, 21 years old, when you were five or six years old an NBA fan – it was like me having David Robinson, Michael Jordan on my wall as a kid. Kobe was that guy. Hmm. Well, you- we'll just want to uh, just want to discuss it. I mean, in no way do I want to de-emphasize the 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 deep, the deep degree of the tragedy. But you do wonder. I mean, you just wonder where are we going as a culture? I mean, we idolize we idolize the people who, in the big perspective, do the least important things for our society. Well said. But, you know, as we mentioned, the school teachers, the police officers, all those, those are the people the that should be The ma- surgeons that save lives every day. I well, mean, well, they are making a million a year. Right. But I, <laughs> and, 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 and let us not forget the military because I believe we lost six kids in the military last week. Yeah. And uh, so, oh, we I, just can't forget about them. What sports does for people, it is an escape from everything else. And so that's why oftentimes we uphold those people in such a way because they inspire us and because we can go and get away from reality for two or three hours. And when we go back in, we were thankful for the escape. I'll have to confess that when I was a teenager, I had Fair Fawcett on my wall. The top-selling poster to this day of all time was the picture of, of Farrah Fawcett. But to Luke's point, these athletes make you feel good, particularly when they succeed. Right. Anybody that makes you feel good does well financially. All right? So you can, you know, uh, that, take, for example, uh, Joel, careful, o- careful. No, Joel Osteen, this okay. preacher. I mean, he has that feel-good whatever they call it, the feel-good ministry. Or, pretty well for himself. Yeah, exactly. Look, That's what I'm talking about. This is about. why Bob upholds you know, um, Riggins and Gibbs in such a way, because as a Redskins fan, you only felt good for a couple years, you know. It was a long time ago. I've forgotten <laughs> what it feels like. I'm going to I'm gonna get a Bengals jersey, and instead of putting my last name on the back, I'm just going to say, we stink. Everybody will <laughs> you put a big L on the back. <laughs> for sure. Or lost. And, and poor Joe Burrow. <laughs> Somebody talk to this kid, will you? All right. Eagle Hour continues after this. Hour. The Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. 
Back on a Tuesday, Full House in the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Bob Luke and Kelly, Dalton Stanford producing today. Appreciate Brian LeVan and Bo Morgan for stopping by for segment of the Eagle Hour. Brought to us every day by Toyota of Hattiesburg. Online, toyotahattiesburg.com. In person, Highway 98 in Hattiesburg. Great selection, best selection of Toyota in the area. Stop by and see our friends at Toyota of Hattiesburg. Southern Miss women's volleyball coach Stephanie Radecki has announced the addition of two transfers to the 2020 volleyball squad. Two uh, players coming over from uh, Manhattan, Kansas, which would be junior college, and also signing Maddie Stayer. Uh, from Mentor High School. So uh, congratulations to them. And speaking of volleyball, if you go on the Southern Miss Volleyball Twitter page, there are three brand new pictures of this volleyball facility. And guys, it looks good. It looks gorgeous. There's no question about it. No question. A place upstairs. I think it's the there's a picture of looking down on it, and then there's a railing. And I'm pretty sure that is a coaching area, and it's pretty cool to be able to walk out there um, and, and just see a lot of seating in there. And they got a big scoreboard, a video scoreboard, and it looks really, really, really nice. And, and we talk about that. You, you know, it's important for each sport to have their, their facility. You don't have to share facilities anymore. Nobody goes to Reed How Green. How many does it seat, Luke, you know? I'm not sure. I mean, it's looking – it's at least uh, – I would say at least 1,000 in there for sure. Yeah, it's very pretty. No? I've, I've always liked Coach Radecki's name, Stephanie Radecki. It sounds like somebody that Fonz – the Fonz dated on Happy Days. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Radecki. <laughs> well, it's got to be an asset for recruiting. There Absolutely. There can be no question about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about how many volleyball programs don't have uh, a building that nice. It's nice. I mean, it, it looks really quality nice. on the inside and the outside as makes well. makes the basketball arena look bad. I mean, maybe it's time to restore the basketball arena. Well, I think part of the part of the city bond issue that was yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, raising some money they did to do make that. Big improvements in the basketball arena last year. Cosmetically, I think it looks much much better than it has in a while. Got to see Jay Ladner last night and talked to him uh, down at Pearl River, uh, and of course the coach of the Meridian. Uh, Eagles in the Mac Jack is James Green. And and Coach Green said, when, the Eagle Hour is getting to be so widespread, it's notoriety, that Coach Green said, when, when do I get to come on the Eagle Hour? It's because all those former players have been texting him and said, I Coach, guess, we I, talked uh, about you. I guess so. so Spread like the Chinese flu. So I've got, no, the, is it the Corona? No, the, the Corona flu. Isn't that what it is? Coronavirus. Oh, the Coronavirus. Corona. I got you. I thought that was a beer. I, I don't know, but I, I've been spending a lot of time on the computer lately. I hope I don't get a computer virus this, I, this time of year. I got, a, I got a text from the mayor of the roost. You know, it's the 35th anniversary of the roost. And there's some special T-shirts floating around out there. So How can they remember that? They can hardly remember from day to day what happened. I'm just telling you what Jody texted me. Okay, okay. He sent me pictures of a shirt last night. So 35th anniversary. Other roots coming up. Maybe we can snag a couple of those shirts. Hint, Three hint. double XLs, Jody Lott, right? Double XL? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down to a double Very XL. Good. Double I'm XL? Happy about that. Check that, Jody. Two double XLs <laughs> and a triple. No, no. For me, it would be a USS, United States ship. You know, that, that would be the size yeah, I'd I be I saw wearing. those pictures. Jody sent that to me last Tradition. night. Tradition. It'll happen on Valentine's Day. Um, I will walk out to the roost. I will get... A sausage dog, homemade deer sausage out there. I'll put mustard on it and get a Coke and sit down beside Jody Lott for the first two innings. I'm going to go out there to the Eagles Roost and get you a sausage dog with mustard. (laughs) (laughs) Who was that? 
<laughs> a guy have, from Slingblade. Don't I, have, I have no idea. <laughs> because Billy because he's Thornton. a rabid Southern Miss baseball fan. Yeah, yep. yep. Have him some mustard and biscuits and go out to that girl who works down there at the dollar store. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who let him on this show? What is, the, what is the genesis of him being involved? I'm telling you, in everybody show? that listens to this show has seen Sling Blade. You guys have not seen I told, He didn't hear what I texted you yesterday. We had a listener text me and said, Kelly for president. Oh, how about that? President of what? Well, and that only goes to <laughs> goes to tell you how the American electorate, uh, we've totally lost control. I can think of a few offices you're qualified for. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think they would want me for those offices. No, it'd, be, it'd be marginal, but you would be in the running. That's, I mean, that's you know, th- this is, to, to be honest, you set the menu, right? You, you do. You mm-hmm. steer the ship. Mm-hmm. I try to bring content statistics but kelly's the flavor can we just be honest with that yeah yeah bitter bitter <laughs> it's a bitter flavor but uh, i'm definitely an acquired taste <laughs> yes avocados here okay are they going to sell those at the pizza his, pete this year cut his mic please <laughs> what do we got later on this week bob right, we're going to be we at, some... we're going to be at sully's maybe friday i'm not sure now if they'll invite us down uh sully's friday week opening week of baseball great week we're going to be at uh four street barn grill i believe on wednesday with coach barry and the people from keith co and the basketball coach and then friday uh before the the first pitch we're going to be at uh fuzzy's tacos so we're looking forward to that Kelly salad, gonna be Serve good. It up. It's gonna be good. We love those restaurant remotes. We sure There's do, buddy. Something about them. I don't know what it They're is. They're not helping anything with my t-shirt size, but oh, that's okay. All right, so Jody, if you're listening, and I know you are, two X XXLs and one. Are you kidding? Quadruple X, maybe, if they make them that big. Small tent, Jody. Just remember, small pup tent. All right, back tomorrow. One, you gonna be with us, Luke? Yes. All right, good deal. You gonna be here? No. Okay. Luke will be in Laurel tomorrow. Kelly and I will be here. Esquire, no telling where he'll be. Until then, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.